Welcome to the She Yearns Podcast. I am Terry Strange, and I am so thankful you have joined us today. Thank you for being a part of this community. The She Yearns community exists to lead women to desire more of God in everyday life, making Him evident and desirable to others. Welcome to the podcast today. Today we are talking about help for the discouraged. It's interesting how God orchestrates His Word into the lives of His people. What I want to bring today is not only always a needed topic for women, I think especially, but it's not what I planned on placing in the podcast. I have another plan. However, this is where I am living, and there's something about it in my study that called the disciple of Christ to testify to what the Lord has done or is doing that I just couldn't shake. The reason the topic of discouragement is in front of my eyes anyway is because I'm in the middle of finishing a new reading plan hopefully to submit in the next two weeks with audio and all the pieces that go along with that process. It's just a piece of it. Then my life sort of has been happening around it. Let's just say I've been lambasted with a long season of discouragement. I don't know if you can see behind the cover shot and the front page of the website, but the work of a writer is not glamorous. Uh, Most of us are not superstars. I'm not doing this every day for the money. Let me just say that. It's really a lonely and isolating process. There's not a lot of cooperation in the writing process. And most people like me are super creative visionaries with a hundred ideas coming at us at the same time. And time to execute it is about 0.05%. And so we have to execute those ideas very poorly (laughs) Uh, because the size of the bag of tricks we are expected to pull out of our backpack to be relevant with zero training in those areas is just ungodly. We have to go out and find all of those training uh, instances and just get it on our own writing and speaking the things we're actually good at. That's not enough. There are platforms, there are graphics, there are new algorithms from the big brothers of social media no one can master. And let's not forget book sales. For a gal who gives 90% of her time and energy and stuff away, book sales are pretty difficult to generate. If you don't sell enough books, you don't get the privilege to write them. So go buy a book and buy one for your friend. And let's not forget the eight kids with the still broken down house from Thank You the Hurricane. That affords me no place to work with the edge of a table. The same house where we cook our own food, we clean our own house, and we mow our own grass. All this is just the basics, and I really share this because you will have a list that's similar. The details of such will be different, but you will have a similar long laundry list of what you're going through, if not much more difficult, with much more trying circumstances, possibly in this season. But these aspects, and you could agree, must be overcome to seek his kingdom first, just to get up out of bed every morning and keep doing it. I know that it speaks to some of you, if not the whole lot of you. There are seasons of real discouragement that Christian women firm in their faith who love Jesus passionately experience. I know enough to recognize you and I are not that different. Oh, the circumstances will be. The particular difficulties will vary. But it's the same sense internally. Sometimes 
We can be in a season of discouragement. We can almost feel like an electric blanket that's smothering us. It could be relationships. The weight of discord in our relationships with those closest to us eats on us and settles daily. We just can't get away from it. It could be a particular burden, a worry, a thing that just won't work out and it won't go away. It could be your job. It could be your family. It could be that sense that life is happening around you, that you have done everything God has called you to do to the best of your ability and you're still here. Maybe things have not turned out like you thought they should or believed they would. And for a long time, you've been getting up in the morning, doing the thing, you've kept it going, but you're almost done. You, you're just about ready to quit, whatever it is. Where can we go? What can we do when we find ourselves in this sort of place? Because sometimes in our Christian lives, lives of serving the Lord and loving Jesus, doing what we know to do can involve such a heaviness, such a dark place, you wanna quit, whatever it is. First of all, you have permission to be in this uncomfortable emotional and mental spot. We don't want to stay here, but there's nothing wrong with you in terms of being lesser in the kingdom of God for finding yourself here. And I'm going to show you this in scripture, so take heart. It's okay. It's really okay. Just as long as we go to the right place for help when we find ourselves in a season like this of discouragement. Where can I go for help is the real question. Well, let's look at Psalm 121 because this is my main stay. It is what rings in my head. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who helps you will not slumber. Again, that is Psalm 121, 1 through 3. Right now, I want to invite the presence of the Lord into your quiet space and lay before Him this as an area where we need some help, that this might be what He has come to do. I really just have time for one biblical example today because I don't want to spoil the reading plan for you. And there's other examples we can look at scripturally that needed God to restore their hope, their focus, their joy, their very life, and He is faithful to do so. Today, as our example, I'd like to take John the Baptist. John the Baptist is the cousin of the Son of God. He possesses the Holy Spirit from the womb. We find out in Luke 1, 15, for he will be great before the Lord, and he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. So we know that this guy is solid. The Old Testament prophesies that before the Messiah comes, Elijah will return. And we find this in Malachi in the fourth chapter, remember the law of Moses, my servant, even the statutes and ordinances, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. This is one in the same person. This Old Testament prophecy about Elijah returning and 
this person that we're going to see in John the Baptist. We see it in Isaiah 40, speak kindly to Jerusalem and call out to her that her warfare has ended, that her iniquity has been removed, that she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice is calling, clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness, make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. Let every valley be filled up and every mountain and hill be made low and let the rough ground become a plain and the rugged terrain a broad valley. When John the Baptist comes on the scene with the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, he eventually goes into the wilderness looking very much like Elijah with the leather belt and the clothes and the locusts and everything. And this is what happened according to Matthew 3, 5 and 6. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him, just like we saw in the Old Testament prophecy. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. This is a man possessing the Holy Spirit, doing the very work he was created to do. It is everything we seek on our best days. It is our desire and passion to serve God with everything we are, to bring him glory. But what sets John the Baptist ahead of the majority of us is that he knew his mission. He understood his calling. He pursued his purpose and he was walking in it fully. So they said to him, the Pharisees, because they are pretty upset about all of this going out and getting forgiveness stuff outside of the temple courts, who are you? This is in John 1. Who are you to John the Baptist? We need an answer for those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? And in John 22:23, he says, John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, I am the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, which is what we read a few minutes ago. Fast forward through the ministry. He recognizes Jesus as the son of God and calls it out on the banks of the Jordan. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's in John on 129 and then he declares before the crowd that the reason I came baptizing with water was that he this Jesus might be revealed to Israel all of that to say he clearly understood who he was what he was doing and who Jesus was once Jesus is out in public ministry working miracles revealing himself as the Messiah, all of the crowds that were hovering around John the Baptist being called out into the wilderness and receiving forgiveness, all of the crowds are now heading over to the Jesus wagon. Naturally, John's closest friends and groupies are upset by this new guy coming in and disturbing these awesome numbers, taking away from the fame of John. But John, John gets it. He's better than you and I too often. He understood his purpose. It was not to have the most likes, the highest baptism numbers, the largest crowd, or the greatest ministry success. It was instead to be overshadowed by this guy. That was his life's mission. Herald the new guy who is coming and get out of the way. But don't stop ministering, John. Don't stop being you. Keep on keeping on with the lessening crowds and the dropping numbers and the discouragement it naturally arouses. Don't stop. Don't stop speaking the truth no matter what it costs. And he doesn't. John ends up in a dark, miserable prison for doing everything he was called to do. Prison was not on the agenda. Preaching, now that was. Baptizing, that was. Heralding the new guy, 
Yes. Preparing the way. Check. Not being locked up in a dungeon. That was not on the plan. And I believe the situation began to have an effect on him that might be similar to what you and I experience. Life wasn't turning out the way he thought. He was doing everything God had asked of him. He couldn't do any more. For that, John is in a dungeon. And John questions very foundational premises that once rooted his life and mission. You and I can have our own dungeon experiences. We find John in the dungeon in Matthew 11, 2, and 3. Now, when John heard in prison about the deeds of Christ, he sent word by his disciples and sent to him, Are you the one who is to come, or shall we look for another? Is he serious? This is John the Baptist, isn't it? The pillar of a man who a few chapters before was declaring exactly who Jesus was. He was certain. His whole life pointed to him and he knew he was right and there was great joy in doing it. What in the world is going on? The same thing that's going on with you and me. John is discouraged. John is having a dungeon experience. He's not just having a dungeon experience. He's literally in the dungeon. He's done everything God has asked him to do, all to land him in prison where, incidentally, he can't draw any crowds to prepare the way or turn Israel from their sin. No one can make straight the path when they're sitting in the dark. This is not what he imagined for his life, and he is alone. And when you and I are alone, that's when Satan has great opportunity. Your mind begins to entertain thoughts that on a good hair day, when your skinny jeans fit just right, you'd never allow to enter. For John, that's when everything was going as declared. People are repenting, hearts are changing, ministry is flourishing. Those kind of negative thoughts are quickly passed over, but not in the dark, not in the flea-infested, filth-infused dungeons we sometimes find ourselves living within. You don't pass over those thoughts, not when all your hope is gone and what you thought was God's call, God's instructions for your very life seem more like something you made up. Maybe it's just your own voice. Maybe you never heard him at all and everything you think and even what you thought you believed with your whole life becomes cloudy. This is where we find our powerhouse, John the Baptist. He wants a straight up answer from Jesus. Are you the one? I mean, I thought you were. I think you are, but it's dark and it's been lonely for a while in this place and it's so different than what I imagined. I'm just not sure anymore. I need a straight up answer. Are you the one or have I gotten it all wrong? John is indeed having a dungeon experience. Are you the one? Listen to how Jesus responds. This is Matthew 11, 4 through 6. And Jesus answered them. This is John's disciples who've come to him asking this question to go back and tell him. Jesus answered them, Go and tell John what you hear and see. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. Jesus doesn't answer like John wanted him to, does he? Ever been there before? Should I just put it on the shelf? Should I walk away? Should I keep going? Should I confront? Should I quit? Should I stop thinking about this? Should I dream a different dream? I mean, 
What in the world should I do? No, John does not get the straight-up answer he was asking for. Instead, Jesus calls John to consider how he knew Jesus was the Messiah in the first place. What did the Word of God say the Messiah would do? How would the people know when they found him? Well, Isaiah 61 speaks to that. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor, which is what Jesus was doing. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. You see, John knew what the religious leaders knew about the coming Messiah. It wasn't hard to see their view. Jesus wasn't measuring up to their expectation for what the Messiah should look like. Ever been there? What you thought was going to happen is not measuring up to your experiences. You begin to question your ability to discern God's voice in your life. Did you just make the whole thing up? Are you on the right track at all? Jesus then does something very sweet and adds this very difficult line, and blessed is the one who is not offended by me. The revised version adds this, but exhibits perfect trust under delay and disappointment. John, blessed is the one who is not offended by me, but considers what I'm doing compared to what the scripture declares the Messiah will do and keeps the faith. Keep trusting that you can hear God as if he's saying, under delay and utter disappointment of being in a dungeon for doing everything I ask you to do because you will be blessed if you do. Blessed is the one who's not offended by me. Jesus restores John when he is in the dungeon. Jesus can do the same for you and me when we are having a dungeon experience. We simply need to go to him for help. Charles Spurgeon was a pastor in London in the 1800s. Not everyone liked his popularity. This is not a man who was popular because he was soft on truth, nor did he pander to the critical base, but because he was gifted in preaching the word. And for reasons I can't explain, he is, and I say is, because I can read a sermon that he wrote in his lifetime and get this for myself, that he is able to present a truth and somehow draw you into it to where you feel it is written for you and your need and God is there. I cannot imagine what it was like to actually be present when he was speaking. Then to receive the word, you had to be present. You had to be there within hearing distance. You had to go on the night he was preaching or else missed that message. This man is like our John the Baptist, full of conviction, confident in his calling and mission, able to deliver. This is a man that was compared with the renowned preacher of the Great Awakening, George Whitfield. This man had a 100,000 people at his funeral at a time before social media and TV and radio. This is a man who could write in such a way that his sermons could be translated into other languages, land on other continents, and bring people to salvation. By the time he was 22, just 22, he was barely married for a year with two babies. He already had what we would call a huge following, so much so that he and his congregation decided to rent a facility in London called the Surrey Garden Music Hall to accommodate the crowds they were anticipating, like 12,000 people for an evening message where 10 more thousand would stand outside leaning in 
to try to hear something. This was a theater with sort of a bottom floor and balconies that people would be seated in facing the stage. Remember, no sound equipment, so the quarters would be close in order to see him and hear him. Such ministry success brings out the worst in people. He had a lot of opposition. A few minutes after six, someone yelled, fire, the balconies are giving way. In the midst of those thousands of people, there was mass hysteria. People were still coming into the theater, so the exits were blocked. There were all the people outside. A balcony indeed did give way, but there was no fire. It had been a lie, intentionally told to create the hysteria and mass commotion. What resulted were seven deaths, people trampled by those trying to escape, and 29 people seriously injured. Spurgeon was helpless and had to be carried out on the verge of consciousness and didn't believe he would ever recover from the event. He says of himself for days afterward, even the sight of a Bible brought him a flood of tears and utter distraction of mind. If you can only imagine, he was having his own dungeon experience, but he found his help in the Lord. He returned to his hurting congregation, hurting, and I can only imagine filled with all sorts of competing thoughts, anxieties, emotions, and began to pray these words. We are assembled here, O Lord, this day with mingled feelings of joy and sorrow. Thy servant feared that he should never be able to meet this congregation again. He sought the Lord for help when he found himself in his own dungeon experience. He did not quit, but exhibited perfect trust under delay and disappointment. Later in his ministry, he said this, I have gone to the very bottoms of the mountains, as some of you know, in a night that can never be erased from my memory. But as far as my witness goes, I can say that the Lord is able to save unto the uttermost and into the last extremity. And he has been a good God to me. And your God will be faithful to do the same for you and for me. I don't know how he will choose to do it. But please remember, if John the Baptist, the powerhouse, the cousin of Jesus, can find himself in a season of discouragement, asking, are you the one? And if Charles Spurgeon can go to the uttermost and in the last extremity and still find God to be good, we can trust the same God. He will be faithful to you. I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Go and may your help come quickly in your moment of need. Thank you again for tuning in today. We will be releasing a new episode every week. I would invite you to become a subscriber. And it really makes a difference when you share something here that you find helpful or encouraging. You make an impact. You may never understand the value or difference your suggestion or encouragement made in the life of a friend or casual acquaintance just by passing a resource along. So please share what you find here with others. I would personally be grateful. Don't hesitate to like us on Facebook or Twitter or leave a review. For more truth-saturated, gospel-centered, spiritually insightful encouragement, please go to www.sheyearns.com where you will find reading plans, articles, and other resources to help stir a desire for God into your everyday life.